0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so over on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page. You'll be able to interact with me and other listeners and followers. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 155, and we are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 12. Paragraphs 500-506 to 506. Chapter 12 What was concealed from the demon concerning the mystery of the birth of the Incarnate Word, and of other happenings until the circumcision? 500 As far as depended upon the Lord, the coming of the Eternal Word as man was most fortunate and blessed for all the mortals. For He came in order to give light and life to all those that were in darkness and in the shadows of death. Luke 1.79 If the foreknown and the incredulous stumbled and hurt themselves on this cornerstone, Romans 9.33, seeking ruin where they could and should have found resurrection to an eternal life that was not the fault of the stone, but of those that made of it an occasion of scandal and of harm to themselves. Only for hell the birth of the infant God was terrible, since he was the strong and invincible one who came to despoil that armed enemy of his tyrannous rule, founded in lies, Psalm 23, 8, who had held his fortification in unjust yet peaceful possession for a long time. In order to depose this prince of the world and of darkness, it was befitting that the sacrament of the coming of the word should be hidden from him. Because of his malice, he was not only unworthy to be informed of the mysteries of the divine wisdom— Wisdom 21-24 but it was just that the divine providence, the malice of this enemy, should be blinded and confused in his malice. He had brought into the world and deceit and blindness of sin, and cast down the whole human race by the fall of Adam. 5:01. Accordingly, Lucifer and his ministers were left in ignorance of many things, which they could naturally have known concerning the incarnation of the Word and other events in the course of his most holy life, a fact which it is necessary to take notice of in its history. For if we had known for certain that Christ was the true God, he evidently would not have procured his death, 1 Corinthians 2.8, but he would have sought to prevent it as will be said in its proper place, in Volume 3. Concerning the mystery of the Nativity, he knew only that the Most Holy Mary had given birth to a son, in poverty and in a forsaken cave, and that she had not found even lodging and shelter. Also, that the child was circumcised and otherwise treated as mere man, all of which was calculated rather to mislead his pride than to enlighten it. But he was ignorant of the manner of his birth and of the virginity of the Blessed Mother before and after the birth, likewise of the message of the angels to the just and to the shepherds of their conversations, and of the adoration of the infant God. Nor did he see the star, nor did he know the purpose of the kings in coming to Bethlehem, although he saw them make the journey and attributed it to some worldly enterprise." The demons were also unable to account for the changes in the elements, the stars, and planets, though they well perceived these changes and wonderful effects. They misjudged the words of the magi in the presence of Herod, their arrival at the stable, and the adoration and the gifts offered. Notwithstanding that they perceived the fury of Herod against the children and abetted it, yet they did not understand this object, and they stirred up his cruelty." Although Lucifer suspected that Herod was seeking to kill the Messiah, he considered him demented and treated him with derision. For in his pride he obstinately held fast to the opinion that the word upon entering into the world in order to set up his dominion would not come humbly and in a hidden manner, but with ostentatious power and majesty, while in reality the infant God chose a far different way, being born of a mother poor and despised by men. 502. Thus misled Lucifer, having noticed some of the strange events connected with the nativity, called together his helpers in hell, and said to them, I do not find any occasion for fear in the events which we have noticed in the world. It is true, the woman whom we have persecuted so much has given birth to a son, but in such poverty and neglect that she could not even procure a lodging place in order to be delivered. We know all this to be far from the power and greatness of God. If he is to advance against us, as weak as we have seen this child, and as we have assured ourselves concerning it, He certainly can make no headway against our power. We need not fear that he is the Messiah, since there is even a plot to kill him as being mortal like the rest of men. This does not seem to point to the salvation of the world, since he himself seems to stand in need of atoning for his fault by death. All these signs conflict with the purpose of the Messiah in coming into the world, and therefore it seems to me that we can rest assured that he has not yet come. The ministers of evil approved of the decision of their damned chief, and they were all satisfied that the Messiah had not yet come, for they were all accomplices in the malice and pride which blinded him. Wisdom 2.21 It never occurred to Satan in his vanity and indomitable pride that the majesty and greatness of God should humiliate itself, because he himself sought after applause, ostentation, reverence, and exultation, wishing, if possible, to appropriate all honor to himself, since all honor was attainable by God, it never entered his mind, that he would consent to the contrary and subject himself to humiliation, so much abhorred by the spirits of evil. 5.03. O sons of vanity, what examples are not here given to you for your enlightenment, Great is the lesson which the humility of Christ, our teacher and our highest good, teaches and urges upon us. But if this does not move us, let the pride of Lucifer at least deter and frighten us. O vice, O sin, dreadful beyond human imagination, since it confused an angel of such high intellect so much that he could judge of the infinite bounty by no other standard than that by which he judged himself and of his own malicious disposition." How far, then, does not man proceed in malice, if, to his ignorance, he joins guilt and pride? O happy and most foolish, Lucifer, how far didst thou go astray in judging of so reasonable and commendable a proceeding? What is more beautiful than humility and meekness joined with majesty and power? Why dost thou fail to see insignificant creatures, that not to know how to humiliate thyself is only weakness of mind and comes from a base heart? The magnanimous and truly great do not seek payment in vanity, nor do they seek after what is low, nor can they be satisfied with what is false and apparent. It is evident, O Lucifer, that thou art shut out from the truth and but an ignorant guide for the blind, Matthew fifteen fourteen. since thou didst fail to understand that the greatness of the bounty and love of God, Romans 5, 8, manifested and magnified itself as humility and obedience, even to the death of the cross. Philippians 2.8 504 All these errors and insanities of Lucifer and his ministers were known to the mother of wisdom and our mistress, and with a just appreciation of such high mysteries she magnified and blessed the Lord because he had concealed them from the proud and arrogant and revealed them to the poor and humble, thus beginning to overcome the tyranny of the demons. Matthew 11.25 The kind mother offered up fervent prayers for all the mortals, who on account of their faults were unworthy of seeing the light, which for their salvation had appeared in the world. Of all this she reminded her most sweet son with incomparable compassion and love for sinners. In these affections she spent most of the time of her stay in the cave of the Nativity. But as this place was bare of all comfort and much exposed to the inclemencies of the weather, The great lady was most solicitous for the shelter of her tender and sweet child. As a most prudent mother, she had brought along a mantle, with which she covered him in addition to the ordinary swaddling clothes. Moreover, she held him continually in the embrace of her sacred arms, except at times when, in order to make St. Joseph happy, she asked him to hold his incarnate God in his arms and serve him as a father. 505. When for the first time she placed the infant God in his arms, the Most Holy Mary said to him, My husband and my helper, receive in thy arms the creator of heaven and earth and enjoy his amiable and sweet company in order that my Lord and my God may be delighted and recompensed by thy faithful services. Proverbs 8.31 Take to thyself the treasure of the eternal Father and participate in this blessing of the human race. And speaking interiorly to the divine infant, she said, Sweetest love of my soul and light of my eyes, rest in the arms of Joseph, my friend and spouse. Do thou hold sweet intercourse with him, and pardon me my shortcomings. Much do I feel the loss of thee, even for one instant, but I wish to communicate without envy the good I have received to all that are worthy. Wisdom 7.13 Her most faithful husband, acknowledging this new blessing, humbled himself to the earth and answered, Lady and Sovereign of the world, my spouse, how can I, being so unworthy, presume to hold in my arms God himself, in whose presence tremble the pillars of heaven? Job 26.11. How can this vile wormlet have courage to accept such an exalted favor? I am but dust and ashes, but do thou, lady, assist me in my lowliness, and ask his majesty to look upon me with clemency, and make me worthy through his grace? 506. His desire of holding the infant God and his reverential fear of him caused in St. Joseph heroic acts of love, of faith, of humility, and profoundest reverence. Trembling with discreet fear, he fell on his knees to receive him from the hands of his most holy mother, while sweet tears of joy and delight copiously flowed from his eyes at a happiness so extraordinary. The divine infant looked at him caressingly and at the same time renewed his inmost soul with such divine of efficacy as no words will suffice to explain. He broke out in new canticles of praise at seeing himself thus enriched with such magnificent blessings and favors. After having for some time enjoyed in spirit the sweetest effects of holding in his arms the Lord who contains heaven and earth, Isaiah 40, 12. He replaced him into the arms of his fortunate mother, both of them being on their knees and receiving and giving him. Similar reverence the most prudent mother observed every time she took him up or relinquished him, in which also St. Joseph imitated her, as often as it was his happy lot to hold the incarnate word. When they approached his majesty, they also made three genuflections, kissing the earth and exciting heroic acts of humility, worship, and reverence. Thus before the great queen and the blessed Joseph observed all propriety in receiving or giving the child from and to one another. This concludes our reading today for day number 155. We read from volume 2, book 4, chapter 12, paragraphs 500 to 506. Jesus confuses the devil by being born in humility and poverty. The devil believes that there's going to be some great show when the savior of the world comes. And so this allows Jesus to remain hidden from the snares of the enemy, at least for a short while, which in my mind, then thinking back to yesterday's reading, when we heard about Herod believing the shepherds that I thought, well, who possesses Herod to kill these infants? Was it the evil one? Or maybe was it simply the threat that he hears from the shepherds that maybe he wasn't even inspired by the evil one himself, but that what he hears threatens him personally. Surely the slaughter of the innocents is a work of evil, yes. And it'll be interesting if we hear that as our readings continue uh, in the weeks ahead pertaining to the nativity of Jesus and the events that transpire afterwards. Also, the devotion to which Joseph has for the Christ child, receiving Jesus kneeling in his arms... We think about, as we heard, about the genuflections that they make when they approach Christ the Lord. It simply reminds us of the reverence that we need to have when we approach the Lord in the church, when we enter the church. I think sometimes we might haphazardly genuflect, but maybe to do it with greater attention, realizing that God is here in this place, that Jesus has made his home among us in that tabernacle to think about the way in which we receive him in Holy Communion with greater reverence each and every time. Let us receive Jesus. Let us reverence Jesus. Let us love and adore Jesus like Mary and Joseph. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you. And Mary, pray for you.